Hi everyone and welcome to Just a GP. This is part of our RACGP COVID-19 specials and will be cross-posted on the Good GP as well. The date stamp on today's episode is the 25th of March and we're recording at 6.30 in the evening just before all the bulletins go out to potentially change everything that we're doing in relation to tomorrow. So just keep in mind that the information that we talk about in this episode is current as of today and things may change as time goes on. Today I've got my usual hosts Beck and Charlotte with me and I've also got Ken Sing Lim online and we're going to be talking about telehealth but not the how-to of telehealth but where does telehealth fit in the broader scheme of general practice and what is the utility of it. To begin with we will start with some highlights so Ken I might start with you. Do you have a highlight for this week? Yes, sure. So interestingly enough, one of my highlights would probably be what someone else would have considered one of their lowlights. So this week we had one of our uh, more complicated patients, so a non-English speaking lady of over 70 who has a background of type 2 diabetes, heart failure and a few other health problems as well, who just come out of hospital following a discharge after having been in hospital for the last month with an exacerbation of a heart failure. And because the receptionist had not understood what her full reason for visit was, she had just been allocated a standard appointment. So we have 15 minutes to deal with my complicated 70-year-old-plus patient with chronic illnesses who is from a non-English-speaking background. It's the sort of thing which would ordinarily have destroyed my day. However, what was the highlight of this was how our team pulled together. So she saw our practice nurse who did her first bit. She then saw our practice pharmacist who was able to take a history, reconcile her medications, contact the hospital, liaise with the chronic disease management nurses from the hospital, and all of this time keeping me in the loop. And we were able to continue to manage her care and I actually think we had a very good outcome at the end. She went home with all of her medications reconciled. She went home with a new Webster pack. She went home with some follow-up organized with her family, whom, and this probably segues quite well into what we're going to talk about tonight, who were then included in her care and her management through our provider-patient partnership platform, which meant that her son had an app on his phone, which allows him to communicate with us and for us to see the patient collected metrics that she collected. So at the end of the day, sure, took a little bit longer, about five minutes longer than a standard consultation, and I got to have lunch. So it was a good outcome all around. That sounds awesome. And we'll get into a little bit of the specifics as to why you're practicing in that way when we start talking a little bit more about telehealth. And I know Charlotte and Beck, you guys have both had tough days today, but has there been a highlight? I'm going to jump in because I have had a highlight because I had a patient actually track me down today through the practice just to send me a virtual hug, which was lovely. And they commented that they knew it must be really tough and it had been a really big couple of weeks and they were just thinking of me and sending a virtual hug. So it was lovely that no one needed anything or wanted anything, just a little bit of friendly compassion was a highlight of the day. Yeah, I agree. And I think at this time, being aware that 
we're all struggling and everybody's got stuff going on in their own worlds, but we're all in this together and, you know, reaching out and, and doing those things is going to be really important over the next couple of months. Charlotte? I think the highlight for me today was I went and saw my mum who lives quite some way away and I was, I've been really worried about her, but I was really happy with she took it all very seriously about the social distancing. She, I was just really proud of her because it's very hard when you're 87 and you live on your own and, you know, she knows that she's going to be isolated and she knows now she can't come and join us at Easter and do all the family things we're going to do because we want to keep her safe. So it was lovely. And reaching out to our elderly parents and grandparents is also something that we need to be thinking about at this time and being aware that because we can't catch up with them in person might mean that we touch base with them more frequently. And also our colleagues who are a bit more vulnerable and therefore will need to be isolated in this process. So I uh, totally agree. And as you can see, I'm putting on a little bit of a slant in my responses today, which is going to lead into my highlight which is that the RSCGP is setting up a reference group to advise on how to best manage the well-being of GPs in training and their practices during the COVID pandemic. And I'll be leading that group. And I was just so excited that it's something that the RSCGP is willing to put some effort into and has clearly made a priority for the well-being of our, our doctors in training and that's going to be really important and I'm, I'm really glad that we've actually got something positive that we're going to be working on throughout this time when there's a lot of difficulty surrounding lots of things. Awesome, Ash. Sounds really cool. Yeah. And can I add, we're, we're also going to be focusing on everybody, but we are aware that for a lot of the doctors in training, there's a huge fear about them not completing training in time and what that means. Yeah. So we'll be having a group that's specifically focusing on trainees, but as a whole, the RACGP is committed to supporting doctors and their well-being during this time. And I think that's a really massive thing for for us to be doing as a as an organization and I'm really kind of glad that that's really up there in terms of their thinking and the overall approach to everything so I think well done to everybody who's been involved in getting that sort of stuff off the ground and making it a high priority so we'll jump in for our episode today Ken, do you want to give us a bit of a background about how your practice is organised and therefore how you see telehealth related to that? Sure. So for about the last six years, we have been trying to improve, trying to transform our practice according to the medical home principles. And so the six core principles that we've looked at, trying to ensure we achieve, well, some form of patient-centeredness, accessibility, accountability, continuity of care, comprehensiveness, and coordination of care. So pretty much everything we've been trying to do is related to one of those six principles and, of course, pulling it all together. So one thing which has become quite clear is that, firstly, you can't do it on your own. You need a good team. And secondly, the available technology that we have really doesn't set us up well. And so we found that in order to really extend the reach of the practice, to allow that coordination, not just within the practice, but without. So this means with all of the other health providers, we needed to have a good telecommunications platform and we needed to have patients and their carers as integral parts of the same platform. So a lot of the work has been about building up the right people, building up the teams, the skill sets, the systems and the structures to be able to support this. And so now that telehealth has become eligible for everybody from the 30th of March and 
because we're in a current pandemic, we're going to see a lot of general practices moving towards using more telehealth by nature of necessity in order to reduce the risk to the staff and also the patients coming into the practice. What is the problem with doing just all telehealth when it's not a necessity? Yes. So one of the issues is that telehealth is a modality. It is not a thing in its own right. It is just another way to do things. And without having the right infrastructure, as in the human infrastructure, the systems behind it, then we can fall into the same trap, regardless of whether it's telehealth or phone consults or any other type of consultation, which includes just pure face-to-face consultations. The problem with telehealth is sometimes if it just focuses on access alone, then we're not really meeting the needs of our patients, our community, nor in fact, are we doing the best thing by ourselves as professionals. So it's like any cake, which is that One ingredient alone does not give you the full article. You need to look at it all. So when we do talk about those principles of a medical home, access is one of them, but it's only one of the six. There are five other important principles, and that's it. And especially it's about that continuity, that coordination, and that comprehensiveness. And so where telehealth fits in is a way to deliver what you need to deliver, but it is not any solution by itself. And it works best because we have been using video consultations with our patients for quite a while now, but it works best in conjunction with asynchronous messaging, which is secure messaging between a patient and their providers, but also secure messaging between providers and providers. So it's part of triangulating that relationship. Last night I was listening to Trisha Greenhouse about her experiences with telehealth and she was talking, I thought, really sensibly about the fact that really telehealth is delivering healthcare when what you're wanting to do is be able to deliver a service that's high quality and safe, but you can't do it safely face-to-face for that patient for whatever reason. And so it's actually about understanding the trade-off between the benefit of having the consultation delivered in that modality and the trade-off between harm and where that balance lies. And obviously that's where, for us, it's key at the moment that we need to be able to offer this and use it as probably the majority of our consultations at the moment because the balance is absolutely in favour of safety. But we know that it is still not as good as the face-to-face consultation in the ideal setting. That's a better place to be. Yes, because it is very much a situation where we have to think of telehealth as something which augments the existing relationships. It gives us another option and it's a very good option. But The problem is that it still leaves us with information gaps. So it fills in gaps which we don't get by telephone, which makes it superior to the telephone, but it still does have gaps. And where we found it does work best is where we have existing relationships with patients whom we are well familiar with. And I will add another level, and that is that also patients with whom we have good measurements and where they are able to give us up-to-date measurements, say, for example, their mood scores, their blood pressure, their symptom scores, their blood sugar levels. And so this can work very well as part of augmenting usual care But to use it as the only form of care and to say, for example, have telehealth-only doctors is a risk to us all. Yeah, because it's about understanding that a patient medical home has all of the richness of being able to do everything that the patient needs. So the ability when you have a practice that knows you and it's got really rich electronic records, 
for instance, and has a patient who understands what it is that we're trying to aim for, they have goals and we're together, then telehealth is easy and, as you said, just a tool that we can augment what we're doing and add value at this time. Definitely. And I think that telehealth has to be seen as part of normal care, but it's another modality or tool that we use. But interestingly enough, it does come down as well to what are the drivers for that care and what we use to measure. So if our goal is quality and safety, which it should be, then telehealth is something which we can use and we can actually measure the outcomes of that as well. So I'm interested, Ken, in terms of what are your thoughts in the pandemic phase of using telehealth primarily and then as the primary mode of delivering care and then having that capacity to see people face-to-face when needed because of the reduced risk to other people. What are your thoughts on that? I think this will be a very interesting exercise for many practitioners and practices because if they have not got good systems set up already, this can actually be quite challenging. Part of the systems are having those good patient records, having that good relationship with patients in the first place. Other parts of it are also having adequate follow-up to be able to do this safely. So for short-term use, I think this has got some very tangible and early benefits. As the months go on, I think that trying to run a telehealth-only system is going to be tricky. And I'll say that because um, we actually have done a bit of that before. And we found that the more information you have or share with a patient and with the rest of your practice team, and in fact, with the extended care team, the more efficient and effective that care is. Telehealth is good, but it's actually still only a one-to-one mechanism. So you've got your practitioner and you have a patient. It's interestingly enough, not extending the skills or utilizing the skills of the team as a whole. And that's going to be the other element that we are going to find that we're going to need. Because if we really think about this, we've probably all gotten used to having our practice nurses and the rest of our practice team around us to assist. Telehealth can actually be a step backwards because what it now means is we're going back to a much more traditional doctor-patient relationship, which has a place but might actually restrict us in the long term. It's a great opportunity to immerse us all, though, in a technology that otherwise most of us probably wouldn't have tried because we might have thought it was outside our comfort zone. And as you say, it's an extra tool, another benefit that we can all learn in an immersion method, and then we'll be very glad to step back from to then use it as hopefully just one of the tools in our care for all our patients. And perhaps what we will find is that it'll be okay in the short term when we need to be doing quite a lot of distancing from each other in terms of reducing the spread amongst the population. And as we take the foot off and the break off a little bit on the pandemic measures, that's when the time we might be able to arrange more face-to-face appointments and, and nut out how it goes over time. Look, Ken, we'd love to be able to talk with you a lot more around all of these issues. And I think that this is a great thing that we could put in one of our standard episodes. We'll probably get you back on the podcast sometime soon. Very happy to be involved. Thanks. For now, can you give us a resource for the listeners? There's a few good resources. So one thing which would be really good to look at is having a look at the RACGP standards on telehealth consultations. And another really good site to look at is have a look at how Health Direct 
video call software works. That's a great piece of work. And if we're looking at the telehealth applications, that works really nicely. I'm going to jump in with my highlight. I um, was shown a resource from the Black Dog Institute earlier this week. So it's blackdoginstitute.org.au. And they have specific COVID resources for anxiety, stress and well-being, both for your patients and for yourself. It's a great resource for all of us. And my resource, and I'll have to reference it for you, is there's a great article that Tricia Greenhaug has put out on using telehealth at a time for COVID and talking about how to use it with a tool for diagnosing when the patient needs to go into hospital. Worth looking at at this time. My resource is thiswayup.org.au is a platform for online CBT and they're providing free courses, which previously you had to pay for. So in this current state, they're providing online mental health programs for free. And so we'll catch you all next time.